training the mind within the renunciant form. It's a particular focus, which is advantageous. <coughs> Helps us to remember nothing. We don't. Nothing belongs to us except our comma, our intentions, <coughs> mental directions, aspirations. So this is this is true for everyone. Not just monks and nuns. Everyone, nothing belongs to them. But in renunciate life, you get that established as an outward form as well. Don't have a home. Don't have a family. <coughs> So it's uh, it's to train the mind and you get to look at how we how we run to those, how we get caught in those anything of that nature, you know. So you, monastery becomes a place, becomes something you've got to you know carry, worry about, hold on to, you know? and how our energy can get spent in looking after places. Yeah, it's it's a balance, bringing forth energy to as an act of generosity, serving, create, you know, supporting, keeping our environment tidy, well ordered. It's a generosity thing. <coughs> you got to balance that out with renunciation. Yeah. We don't actually own anything. Actually, the buildings are not really the you know crux of the matter because so often we feel we belong to our, our history ourselves and our mind states our ideas but you start to work on the sense of belonging and how you know particularly group practice is you're going to come out of your self you know forms into something that's shared not not separate no little kind of private places. So it's a renunciation and it uh, challenges the, you know, what, what uh, the way our minds work. That's what we're supposed to do. developing the path to the, the deathless <coughs> the five indriya <coughs> faith <coughs> sense of openness energy ability to use our resources on sustaining the good putting aside the bad sustaining what's skillful putting aside what's unskillful just that's not it's not a you know a kind of campaign or battle it's just a matter of carefully marshalling the resources that we have what's appropriate, what's skillful putting aside what's not appropriate, unskillful keep your eye out on that one there's got to be something you know, every day that you're putting aside something you're deliberately picking up strengthening yourself with so that that should be the ongoing quality, the ongoing momentum one's practice every day you're looking at 
oh no, don't bother with that, put that aside, put that to one side. You know, it's not that thing that things can be skillful one day and next day unskillful. You know, it's just whether one's you know, how one's handling things, whether things are acting as distractions or as supports, and it can go either way. So even with our friends and companions, we can we can go to friends and companions in a supportive way or in a distracting way. We can converse in a supportive way or in a distracting way. You know? So it's up to us to know when we're just kind of conversing, chatting away just in order to kind of really become less more oblivious and when we're actually doing it to support our insight and reflection and get, get to the point. So it's just recognizing, you know, keeping your mind out for open to the skillful and the unskillful. And uh, through the practice of mindfulness, <coughs> bearing in mind you get to study the mind states, mind objects, the mental formations, the dhammas, recognizing more clearly when one's mind is uh, coming from a place of purity or when it's coming from a place of confusion. And generally, cases that most of our minds get definitely affected with uh, hindrances, defilements, sometimes overwhelmed with those. Okay, you know. And then, what do we do? Theory is good, but what do we do in practice? What are the resources for? We get overwhelmed. Seems too much. We lose our faith. We lose our energy as confidence goes. I'm going to go back to what what is what is the support for faith. That's the primary thing to go back to. So certainly when the defilements or the hindrances wash over then one can find myself wanting to just, you know, bury, run, you know, distract. It's understandable. What's more useful is to what come deliberately reflect on, you know, what, what is one's faith? What was that in going forth, in practicing? In, what, what is that? What are we looking for? Freedom, release. You know, how does that feel? You're bringing it to mind. You're mindful. You bring to mind and you sustain your mind upon where does faith arise for you individually, not. You know, as, as an experience in your own heart and mind, lifting up of a kind of a, an urge, of an interest, of an openness to something, you know, uncluttered. I don't know, this is what it is for me, clear, free, no burdens, no ties. You know, it's, it's you bring bringing that to mind. Now you know can be the case that right now I'm, I'm not finding that where that you know I can't find my way with that. But I need to remember it, deeply recollect that. And it's often the case that the mind gets swamped with its uh, worries or its doubts, restlessness. Energies, pressures come up. You know, then we lose the faith. 
But your faith isn't based, can't be based upon the particular mind states that are arising. It's got to be placed on something prior to that. One's aspiration. I mean, I see that, you know, a good amount of my mental content is nothing special. It's not something I have faith in or despair about. It's just stuff moving through thoughts, random bits and pieces. Sometimes occasional difficult stuff comes up, but none of it's something that's really going to give me faith. It's just stuff. So if you're looking for a find confidence in the objects of the mind it's just uh, conceited to imagine something in there that's so (laughs) intrinsically because it's just conditions they're not necessarily bad there's some nice ones, good ones but uh, none of that's freedom it's just another state so you know, feeling happy feeling, you know, getting some nice stuff going uh, things looking good. So yeah, but it's just that. You know, one day we feel we're a success. Next day, nobody understands. Next day, feeling a failure. Mm. It goes like that, does it? The mind state. So you, you can't really rely upon them. There's something prior to that. That's what you want to go back to, in my opinion, my experience. When the mind loses its balance, it sort of panics a little. We look around, what can we find to hold on to? Very rocky, trying to hold on to. Then sometimes all you know, all the words don't make don't mean anything anymore. You read the books, so what? Sitting here, so what? Meditation, sitting here, so what? Boring. Uh, so you can't you know, see it. Read it, you know, look around community, some people kind of this, that, drifting off. You think, oh, is this it? <laughs> no, it's not it. This isn't something that our faith is established on. We might have faith in the fact that everybody's trying, that's good, and that there's a sense of the precepts kept which is excellent. You know, renunciation is practice, very good. These are all good conditions, but something prior to that, because we can also feel, you know, these are still only, they're not finished, they're not complete. And sometimes you just get bored with it all, or disillusioned by it. And then just going back to what is it that we... Why do we go forth in the first place? Is that gone? No. Why do we pick up dumb in the first place? Just thinking it, bring it to mind. A certain sense of courage, 
willingness, daring, openness. Don't go with that. It's just training. You know, look at somebody like Ajahn Chah and Ajahn Mun. These are people who just said, well, if I, you know, if I, if I die, that's fine. You know, if it that has to be that way, that's fine. You know, you just give it all up. Because it's going to go anyway. But that is not, uh, you know, it's not a recommendation, but, you know, just use this to clear the mind, using the bitter medicine to clear the mind of its uh, hindrances, worries, depression, sadness, anxiety, restlessness. Say, so, you know, this isn't, this isn't something in here to get, to be concerned about, you know, come out. Faith. So the way that the mind becomes really strong is when we learn to meet some of these difficult Areas, difficult zones, difficult periods. They meet it without uh, going back. Doesn't mean you can go forward, but you can at least meet that and uh, contemplate what's going on. The contracting, the speeding up, the sinking, the proliferation of ideas and memories. Who is that? Is that is that something that you can really... It's going to take you anywhere good. Do we feel we have no say over that? We just all have to feel overwhelmed by all that. Or can we, you know, with one breath, just come back to uh, what's, where's the openness now? Where's the one breath? Where's the one footstep? Where's the body? Breathing out. Generally, it's always the overwhelm is always some kind of collapse or contraction. So you go back to broadening, widening the mind, walking up and down, taking in some space, steadying, slowing down, calming the body. Mm. We get to that uh, reflection on the Buddha, you know, his, his own awakening when he's just taking a firm position, but his firm position is just on being peaceful with all the madness of the host of Mara. It's not fighting it, not going out to it, not, not falling under it, just sitting still in the middle of it, saying, I know this is this. Mm. This is where you get the, the, the you turn the tide and that your indriyas, your spiritual indriyas, become stronger than the sense faculties which are so subject 
to confusion. Thoughts so subject to confusions, emotions so subject to confusion. Mindful of that, that peace of non-attachment, non-involvement. So the you know, keys to samadhi are the sense of the vitaka, vichara, applied, you know, definitely, definitely applied mind, mental application, mental assessment, it's like this naming something, knowing it to be like this. The quality of joyfulness that comes with that. The joyfulness is born of non-attachment, is the expression, of not getting caught, lost in the mind. Not getting lost in mind objects, mind states. This is where it really, Buddha says, this is where the ekagata comes from, the samadhi, is that fundamental, the clarity, the happiness, the joy, the brightness that comes from viveka, from stepping back, withdrawal, from what? Chitta viveka, withdrawal from the mental withdrawal, kai viveka, simplicity, quietness, solitude, you know, Staying within one's own body, not being distracted out, that's part of it. And then the Chitti is the withdrawal from the tumult, the turbulence, the currents, the seductions of the mind. And this leads to Upadi Viveka, the withdrawal from the substrate of birth, of identity, of creating a self. So your really your concentration or unification is around viveka. Withdrawal, non-attachment, moving back. In mindfulness, it's bearing that in mind. Until that sense of uh, confidence, clarity becomes strong, your mind unifies. Because this is, uh, this is what we've been set up for. Our aspirations have set us up for this, to come to these challenges and to come through. Mm-hmm. So while we have this chance together, using the form situation, simplifying, you know, we've got another couple of days or so of retreat, just to really see if you can, you know, see some of the places where a practice has cracks in it, or the leaks get in, the doubts get in, the stress gets in, you know, let's check that. And those are the places where we need to remember, this is not what it's about.
It's not about time, place, people, things, events. It's something else. Those will always, however interesting they can be, these will always be subject to getting corrupted. By themselves they're not corruptions, but they're subject to it. They're prone to it. So it's a chance to just step back, drop it. Back to this simplicity. This is where samadhi comes from. True samasamadhi anyway. Right concentration.